Hey firecrackers, it's Naomi and welcome to the firecracker department. Here's a couple of firecracker shout outs for you, if you haven't already, and I'm sure you have, but if you haven't and you're a fan of podcasts, I really encourage you to go over and listen to Brene Brown's podcast, Unlocking Us. Uh, I just love her approach to things. I love how she talks to her guests. I find every podcast somehow mind opening. Is that what they call it? Mind opening? It opens my mind to things and uh, I almost can't listen to it at night because if I fall asleep, I'm like, oh, I don't want to fall asleep. I want to capture every every moment because she's so um, she's so insightful. So if you haven't listened to it, Brene Brown, Unlocking Us, and that's wherever you listen to podcasts. My other firecracker shout out is to Annie Francis or Annie Murphy from Schitt's Creek because if you aren't following her on Instagram, it's Anne Francis, and I absolutely adore her as a performer. And then if you haven't listened to her um, podcast that we did a while ago, in fact, I think she was one of my first podcasts. I was so excited to talk to her. But not only is she a, a funny, delightful performer from Schitt's Creek, but she also works with Care Canada, and I I'm just so in awe of the way that her heart works because she's funny and she's kind. And if you go to her posts on her Instagram, she's got these beautiful posts um, from when she was in Jordan working for March for Women uh, and Care Canada. And they're just, they're just so inspiring. I have to say they're inspiring. I know the word's used a lot, but it inspires me to do more, do better and take action. So thanks, Annie Francis. All right, those are my shout outs. If you have any shout outs for me, I would love to give them a shout out on our podcast and support everybody's work. All right, our guest for your beautiful ears and soul today is Lauren Kisilevsky. She is the vice president of original movies at Disney Channel and she's fantastic. I love her so much. When I was working on Disney Zombies, we met because she brought her kids to set and um, I mean, who's kidding who? I'm the principal in the zombies movie, so I'm definitely not the character that most kids are like, oh my gosh, let's watch the principal, because there's amazing superstars like Milo Mannheim and Meg Donnelly and Kylie Evans are dancing around and, you know, the, the old Principal Lee in the pink pantsuit, not so, not so interesting. But I had a great time meeting Lauren on set and uh, always love chatting with her. Uh, we got into some great discussions in this podcast and I'm so thrilled that she said yes because, you know, we have uh, actors and we've had directors and writers and it's so great to have folks like Lauren uh, that bring in a whole other perspective. She's in charge of creative development at Disney Channel Original Movies, so, you know, those sweet, sweet, amazing decoms as well for Disney Plus. And all that means she's working on script development, collaborating with writers and directors, generating new projects and providing direction on everything from marketing to post-production to the release of the actual project. Once you hear Lauren, you'll be like, oh, she loves her job. She loves it and it's so great to hear people in these positions that don't just treat it like a job. You can tell she loves it so much and she's part of every step. That's the kind of creative brain she has, and uh, I think she's fantastic. I mean, she's often so involved in every project, she gets involved with like every draft of the writing and then editing, all, all the way down to like what color each of the characters' hair should be. She's really involved. She's worked in executive positions for a few years, and she's worked with you know folks like Ashton Kutcher and Reese Witherspoon. She's just a self-professed preparer, a musical theater lover and nerd. She's a mother, a writer, uh, she's an executive, and she's just got so much soul. 
I mean, just she's just an absolute boss. The whole team at Disney Zombies just adores her, and uh, I do too, and I can't wait to share my chat with you. Here she is, Lauren Kosalewski. But when you were at Concordia, did you even imagine going into entertainment like this? Well, I definitely, I mean, I, I was in uh, communication studies and also liberal arts. So I, I, storytelling was always my passion. Like I was a huge reader. That was always what I loved to do. Um, and so I knew I wanted to be in, in media of some sort. I certainly didn't know that there was a job that you could be a development executive. Right. Yeah. Like there's no, I had no idea what that was. Um, but I worked in, I, I mean, I was, you know, I've, in hindsight now, I realize I've always been me. So I was a double major <laughs> and I worked in radio the whole time I was in college. Right. So I would, you know, and it was a double major in two pretty challenging programs. Um, uh, liberal arts was the best thing I've ever done for myself. Just really? To, what was it about liberal arts absolutely. That, that gave you the... the two day? things. So the Concordia program in particular is really special. So it's this tiny program where they kind of handpick the students and it's a really interesting mix. It's not, they really were very, very thoughtful about people with very different life experiences. Um, and then the program itself is a pretty traditional great books program, but it's small with these wonderful producers. So you sort of read and learn how to think about art and literature and just life. I um, love that. Like somebody has, it sounds so crazy, but you need to know and learn how to think and, and express totally. and challenge and challenge your own thought process. Learning how to think critically, for sure. And in, for, in my family, that was a must do. You know, there was no film school. There was no art school in my, you know, I, we can talk about that later, but I come from that family and from a family where everybody does the same thing. There's everybody in my family is an academic. Like right. every, I'm the only one at the Passover right. table without a PhD by a lot. So, where were they? Where would where where did they study, or where did they were they professors? Yes. Yeah, so my dad is a professor at Concordia. He in, in the math department. He's been there for thirty years, forty years. Um, uh, my mom wasn't a professor, but she was a speech therapist, and she taught in the speech department. My sister is a philosophy of law professor. Yes. My cousins are all English professors married to English. I mean, it, you know, wow, you're like the black professor. sheep. I, totally the black sheep. Yeah. <laughs> but but so in well, just it, so you I, know, chemistry professor daughter. Well, uh-huh yeah so, so like totally aligned right yeah like, very much so yeah and very classic sort of you know first you know immigrant mentality you know education is the one thing they can't take away from us right very traditional in yeah. that sense so that so liberal arts fed sort of fed or fit very clearly into that like you have yeah. to learn how to think first and then you can go off and do something with it right you had to find a way into this um i don't know insecure career that you were totally heading, which is through this way yeah and so, it, for me it was the best I, I i still draw on that idea in terms of my work so i i loved that experience is there um, something that you learned there that you still go up oh, that lesson Still resonates with me. Totally. I, I learned how to write. I had an art history professor who very sadly passed away, um, Professor Virginia Nixon. And she was an amazing professor. I frustrated her a lot because um, I was that kid. You know, I asked a lot of hard questions. But she, of all the things that she was the one who taught me to write. And yeah. she would say, say what you want to say, right? What, write what you want to get across, not... And I, I see it in younger executives in when you're writing notes. I still think about her 
her advice all to say what you want to say. Don't embellish it. Don't, it's not the look how smart I am game, which is very the easy to the look how smart I am. Oh, right. When I thought that sounded like, honest to God, I thought it sounded Latin. I'm like, oh, tell me more. Oh. <laughs> no, not Latin. Look how smart. <laughs> look how smart game. No, the look how, I, I find that often. Yeah, I agree. You know, right? You're, you're writing to show how smart you are as opposed to how to actually help somebody achieve something. Mm-hmm. And I learned that from my art history professor in Concordia. Um, and I also, I'm so happy about this. I, I, I remember early, early on, I think it was my second job, I was 20 something. And I sent her a note um, about things, you know, thanking her. Um, I, I can't remember her knew She might've been sick at the time. So I might've, but it was before she passed away. I remember was able to share that with her, what an impact it had on me. Yeah. Yeah. It's so true. And especially with notes, like you don't even think about that being a useful skill in your position like as as a writer of notes but like notes are so valuable and if you get too many as an artist from production or networks it's it's overwhelming so you have to sure. be real careful and uh pay attention to the details that i know you do well i mean notes are my thing like yeah. that you know that is the bedrock of what i do it is you know i think you know now to your point about thinking you just get plopped into the job, which is yeah. so funny to think about. It's so right? not like, true. Yeah, no. Uh, yeah. It's so but, easy. <laughs> but that's, I mean, and I, I say this a lot now that I, you know, I've spent the last year and a half training a team, which is newer for me. But I, it, so I've had a lot of opportunity to think about what works for me and how to try to impart that on, on new people with also obviously benefiting from their skills and how they think. Um, but the, you know, as in, as network executives are, we can, I have, we can talk about that later, but I have a very weird job just by virtue of making television movies for kids at a network, right? It's just a weird job. So yeah. we're often, the, the creative executives are often the ones that are with the project the longest. Just, you know, we from let's make a movie about singing zombies all the way through marketing. Right. So our job is to know the story better than anybody, to be, really be inside Boy. of it and know. So to your point about writing notes, that's the key. Even when you're doing, dealing with the Pantone of a hair color of a wig. I read that. I read that that's how detail oriented you are, which I think you have to be, but I don't think, I don't think people in your position always are. I think they get so busy and I'm not like, there's no blame on anything because I think they get so busy and so pulled in so many different ways that it's hard to be that attention that pay that much attention to details, but you do. Um, I mean, again, so I've been at Disney now, it'll be 10 years. I know, oh I read God. that. I was going to say happy anniversary. <laughs> That's crazy. The fact that I've done anything for 10 years still blows my right? mind. Yeah. All right. Like I just, you know, I still think I'm 16. Um, I know. I know. They so, feel like yeah. at some point they're going to knock on your office door going, oh, I'm sorry. Your <laughs> parents are, this is your parents' office. You're really glad to be here. Uh, I love visiting my friends at their like offices because I, I feel like, I don't know. For me, I feel like we're always like playing make believe, but we're in totally. office. Like, you guys want to go Xerox something? What do you want to do? <laughs> that's Maybe my facts. idea of a good time. <laughs> yeah, facts. What were you writing when you were in Concordia? What kind of stuff were you writing? Oh, papers. Yeah. Lots and lots of analysis. Um, lot, literary criticism a lot. Yeah. You know, uh, I think I had a paper about m- middle March. And um, Dostoevsky, the unreliable narrator, big fan of the unreliable oh, narrator. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. I just, I, it's funny. It's by my bedstand. I just put it down. Oh, my God. Or 
a moment because I just wanted to talk to you. Uh, no, my brother's a, a published poet, and so I have that also in my being wow. somewhere. Because that's not easy, poetry. My no. God. <laughs> wow. So, but then, like, yeah. so when you started going, oh, I, I like musical theater. Oh, no, I really like musical theater. Were your folks like? Yes. <laughs> totally. I mean, literally, we have an expression in my family, at least you're not dancing. Like, that's not in my... And so, I, I mean, I did it. So, again, I was in... Although it's a funny thing. So, my whole family loves theater. We went to theater. Yeah. Um, but it's different when you love it or when you're, it's your job. And, and I, in hindsight, I think, like, how did they not realize that they were teaching me how to... Do, you know, they really did instill a love of it. And so I was in, I, mean, I was terrible, really, like, please, I was a, but I, I like to offer often, you know, my, I went to Jewish high school because I grew up in Montreal and um, my, in seventh grade, we did The Wiz. So if you think my, yes. my Jew, not The Wizard of Oz, The Wiz. I, no, I know the difference. Right. Yes. Don't you worry. I know In, in my, when you think of, and I was a dancing yellow brick road. Right here. Right. Um, <laughs> Which Emerald like, Forest um, over here. <laughs> so <laughs> my job was seeing how how long I could keep my hands up without starting to shake. That was my skill. <laughs> so I, I always, and my, my group of girlfriends that I'm still close with today were my girlfriends that sort of not all, they get upset when I say this, they're not all of them were in the play, but it was sort of the, the group of us that were around the play. So I did always love it. I, I think the long um, a terror, I was not good at it. And I knew I'm not an in front of the camera person. Um, and so, it, but the transition to sort of becoming, you know, building a life in the arts, albeit on the executive side, definitely took some doing with my parents. I mean, yeah. I, it, again, it's just not a job that you know about. No, it's a hobby. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It's something yes. that you, yeah. Yeah. I might, I, I mean, my father's very proud of where I've come to, but I know he just, it didn't make sense at first yeah. that this was like something that I could actually do as a living. Totally. I think it was probably until I got a job at Disney, my mother tried to convince me to come home to McGill and get an MBA uh, for like 10 years um, because that's what they know, right? Mm -hmm. Education and a degree that you could have fall back. Um, yeah. Well, what about you though? Did you have yeah. that sense of like, because, you know, like you're pursuing your dream and it's really hard when everybody is doubting you, including yourself. So how did you push on through that? Oh, that's such a great question. I'm so happy you asked that. I have to think about that for a second. I mean, look, to your point about in no way do you get dropped in, you know, I, so I'm going to, I mean, there's always doubt, right? At every single turn, there's doubt. Oh my God, uh, waking up in the morning, eggs or smoothie? I have doubt constantly. <laughs> Which did you have this morning? I had a smoothie. I don't like my choice, but no. I went with it. <laughs> fair, yeah, fair. Um, so, you know, when I was 20, I, so I moved to LA when I was 21, 22, I think, just out of college. I actually missed my graduation because I came here before my graduation from Concordia, you know, little Canadian girl. I had dual citizenship because I was actually born in LA, but I didn't grow up here. So that made it much easier to, I could move. And I had, I had been, I'd worked in commercial radio the whole time I was in university. So I figured I had a good, for anybody starting at the bottom, I had as good a resume as anybody, yeah. to your point about confidence and insecurity. 
And what I didn't know was that there was an entire system of sort of American um, internships and connections. And had I known that, I, it, I, I don't know if I would have gotten on the plane, right? Like, so it was sort of what I didn't know. And again, I was very, I, I, I knew I was starting at the bottom. I figured I would answer somebody's phones. Um, but I didn't under, I didn't know enough to know how hard it was to start at the bottom. Yeah. But I actually was pretty lucky in the beginning of my career in that I landed a desk pretty quickly. I was out here for two weeks. I knew one person who, yeah. you know, our parents were friends and I still had the notes. She explained to me, you know, this is what an agency is. This is what right. motion picture versus television is, you know? And so I, I actually did land a job pretty easily um, although my first boss didn't almost didn't interview me because I misspelled editing on my resume. To your oh, that's fair. Fair, right? Get that, don't you? Who, who misspells something on a resume? Right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and so, you know, I think every time I, because there isn't a degree, right, that what you carry with you on the executive side certainly is your, are your relationships yep. pretty much. That's, um, especially in the first early years where you can't point to, I oversaw this movie and that project. And, you know, you, it takes a very, very long time before there's actually concrete things that are meaningful Yeah, because it's so out of your own control. Um, I think every time it was time to find a new job, I panicked and had the, like, you know, am I ever going to find something else? Am I going to grow? Am I ever going to earn enough money to really, you know, to actually evolve, you know? Yeah. So yeah. Am I going to eat like craft dinner? And that's Forever. in Canada. So yes. it's not, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So when you were there a couple of times where you thought like, oh, I'm just going to go home. This is too difficult. No, like, that's so bold. I have to say, like, <laughs> we're such courageous beings. Don't you think like in the arts? I'm just so enamored with people's vulnerability and going, I'm so scared, but my dream is bigger than my fear. I think it's true. I also... Well, I was also lucky that I, the only time I ever was unemployed since college really um, was a very, was actually the time before I got to Disney and it was a pretty small window. So I was always lucky to have a job because I'm very pragmatic. Um, and I also think, I, I, I just feel like I need to say it out loud because as a grown up, as an adult, I feel like I've, I've learned so much more than I ever would have known if you'd asked me 20 years ago. I also think there's a lot of privilege. You know, the reality is part of it is that I, I had a safety net. Um, and though I was lucky for the most part not to have to use it, it was there. Yeah. And, you know, I think that is, a and especially in the arts, and there's a lot of conversation about that in Hollywood right now, as we really try to embrace diversity and inclusion in a meaningful way, which is a big part of, of the work that I'm trying to achieve. Um, you know, I, I really recognize that having that safety net, that God forbid I needed to, I could at any point make a phone call to my parents and no. say, help me get on a plane. I need so to come home. I could. And that, 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 to your point about confidence and insecurity, I, I, I've realized how much that was part of my confidence is knowing that because not everybody yeah. has that. I mean, you need those cheerleaders, right? Whether they're financial cheerleaders, which is amazing, or sure. like cheerleaders just around you going you know what, take a, take a break from cheerleading yeah. for yourself. I got you today. Like, and so your parents must have seen you go off to LA going, oh, we'll, we'll pick you up at the airport on the way back. <laughs> totally. Who were your folks other than that friend? Who were your folks in your circle that were like, keep going, Lauren? Um, it's a, also a great question. I moved here with one of my oldest friends from high school. Yeah. Um, and we lived together uh, until I moved in with my now husband. Um, I also, I, I met my 
husband when I was 20. We met when we were about 24, uh, again, which is quite young um, by entertainment standards. Um, No, you're children. We were children. (laughs) And I think actually we're just about in quarantine. I think we're about to celebrate our 15 years of marriage. Hey, we celebrated our six and we had champagne and hot dogs and it was you go right champagne <laughs> yep i mean that's um and i i think a lot about how who i am as an adult is so is so formed by that relationship and having you know found my my husband so early on um and definitely i think a lot of the emotional support um and really that my, my husband is a writer and so i think having that that artistic support you know or we talk such clear memories early especially before we had kids before we had a house before we had anything we would just take walks in our in our neighborhood and talk about work through this you know what he was working on what i was working on um and from a i think i, I you know certainly realize how valuable that has been just to for that confidence of of learning how to talk to writers and learning that my perspective about story was valid yeah. Um, I think that has a lot to do with it, just having that person to bounce something off of. Yeah, and not only finding like like the, a husband or the confidant, but like the right husband. Because it wasn't yeah. really, so it could have been the wrong husband. You never know. Nothing tests that like quarantine. I'm telling you. <laughs> it is amazing. It's a whole other level of relationships, isn't it? It totally is. <laughs> uh, that's for another podcast. Uh, so when you were when you were working in like your desk jobs, what were uh, some of the lessons you learned from that, that you were like, okay, that I will never do that again. Cause I feel like sometimes the lesson of I'll never do that again is almost bigger than I'm always going to do that. I, it's so funny. I was just having this conversation with my daughter yesterday on a walk about being really hard on yourself. Um, and, and there's a value to that. And, you know, I've, I've said to many a boss, nobody likes making mistakes less than me. And when I make a mistake, I am beating myself up big time. So you don't have to. Um, yeah. So funny anecdote, my first job, I was an assistant at an independent production company. Uh, again, I was 22. I'd been out of Concordia six weeks, basically barely. And um, my boss uh, brought me with her to the weekend read meetings, which is what every you know, production company has on a Monday morning where you talk about what you read over the weekend. And there was a um, an, sort of an ensemble farcical romantic comedy that had been on the pile. And I, to, to the point about the look how smart I am thinking, which is not Latin. Um, <laughs> not yet, Laura. Not, not yet. I made, a, I compared it to a Moliere play. And again, I'm six weeks out of a, a, a liberal arts degree. And the room stopped. And everybody looked at me, and not because they didn't know Moliere. One of the other <laughs> senior executives was a Yale drama grad, right? They knew their Moliere, yeah. but because it's irrelevant. That's right. just not how you talk about scripts, right? It, is it going to make money? Is it castable? You know, does the third act work? You know, all the just the wrong vernacular. And I did not like that feeling. Yeah. And from that point on, I made a huge pain of myself and a point to really learn how to talk about material. And I would read the same thing. I'd make myself, I'd read the same things as the other assistants. I'd read the same things as the other junior executives. And I would make them talk to me. And if they liked it and I didn't like it, I would make them explain to me why. And if I liked it and they didn't, or just, I, you know, and not that I would change my opinion to match theirs because that is, you know, certainly one of the very few things you can have in this business is your opinion. 
but I do think you have a responsibility to learn how to talk about it in a way that's relevant. Um, so that was a huge, I mean, I remember I, I, it was 20 years ago and I still, I remember oh God, that moment, buddy. right? Like yeah. the, right, the, you know, the head whip. What did you just say? Yeah. It's like the needle scratch, right? Totally. Oh totally. yeah. I think that's so, you know, my favorite question is asking why, like, what did you think about this movie? Oh, I liked it. And then it's like, why? Like, cause people are like, oh, oh, can't you just take a yes or a no? Why, why do I have to go? Uh -huh. But that's the part that I'm like. You know, we have a, with the firecracker department, we have a movie club discussion and there's a couple movies that have come up and people are like, I loved it. I'm like, I didn't. And here's why. And then by the end, I can see everybody going, oh yeah, I didn't. Like, we're so trained to like things too. Oh, sure. And I'm sure, I don't know, we have a saying in our household of shit sandwiches so that things, <laughs> have you got that with your notes? Do you care about that with notes? Or are you like to the point? At both. I mean, we look. We call it the the bullshit paragraph, right? And right, you you have to start with something positive. Yep. Um, my rule about no, and and look, I get notes all the time, right? I have again, I work in a big corporation. I have a million bosses. Yeah. So, and I'm usually so deeply attached to the product. So, yeah. I it also it's hard for me, but. My rule about notes is, and this is again to your prime, like, I mean, I, this is like my entire mantra for my job is it's very easy to say what, why something's not working, right? Like that's something almost anybody can do, especially if you're remotely adjacent to the, the business. I think that's our job is to say how to fix it, not to tell writers what to do, but yes. if you cannot point to a constructive solution, they're not notes. If, if a writer can't finish reading the document, and say, okay, I know what to do, then we have not done our job and you don't get a seat at the table, in my opinion. Yeah. If, unless you can say, here's the kind of thing you need to think about. Yeah. Um, and I mean, that is like 90% of my job. So I'm a big believer in, and, and that is, again, a lesson that I've had to learn really hard and goes back to my Concordia days, right? Like learn how to think learn how to yeah. think about story and learn how to communicate it effectively. And that was from that professor that taught you that kind of like, if you're, if you're challenging something, offer solutions, offer alternatives. That professor I think was really just more about um, being concise and to the point. I think mm -hmm. the solution, learning to be solution oriented, I mean, I think that's like a 20 year path, right? Yeah. I think I've learned that over for, and, and so much of it, you know, when I, so, how I ended up at Disney Channel, well, that's a, a, a slightly different story, but when I, part of it was because um, I was a movie executive and I'd always been a feature executive until I got to Disney. And I still think, you know, I, the weirdest thing about my job is that I make movies, but at a network, which is, so everything is an inherent class of cultures from the very beginning. Yeah. But part of it is that I was a sort of a mid-level movie executive and I could write a mean set of notes and I could make you some lists, but I'd never made anything which is very common, right, in right. movies because it takes forever and you have a job and then you lose the deal and you get another, you, you don't make anything. And I thought, like, that's not, that's not going to last, right? Like, that, that's not a good look for yeah, longevity. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm very pragmatic. And so when I heard about this job at Disney Channel, original movies, first of all, I said, what's that? I'd, I'd, seen, I'd seen High School Musical. That's it. I didn't yeah. know anything about the business. But I started doing some research. I'm a preparer. And I was like, wait, it's like movies, but at a network with a television schedule. So right. we'll actually make things. And once, and then I, I got the job and I started working, blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, every time to your point about being solution oriented, when I first started getting movies made, 
it made me an infinitely better development executive. Yeah, because yeah, we need back. to see the results. Yeah. And as artists, it's so often that the results just float away. Oh. So we need to see that. Totally. Yeah. I, I mean, yes, results is a whole other, I mean, that's why I garden and that's why I cook because otherwise I don't get to see a result ever. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I know. But, I know so many artists that are gardeners because we need to see things. Flirt. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah, totally. It's my, my garden is my favorite place ever. Yeah. Um, but it was really every time I got a movie made, but, and also just like, really the nitty gritty, like the stuff that you kill yourself, the scene that you rework and rework and you rework, it's cut it's on the floor. Like it doesn't mean anything. Heartbreaking though, right? I, and you just don't like, yeah. and then you, the stuff that you didn't even realize you need, you know, the connective tissue or the moments in between or not on the page because it's a visual medium and just learning. I mean, so again, just to your, to your question of how did I learn the solution oriented? It's just the, the grind of, you know, getting something made, going back to the beginning. Yeah. starting over. Yeah. Was that nerve wracking the um, interview process for Disney? It was bizarre just cause it's so, you know, cause it, again, everything I've only ever gotten jobs from relationships in this business, yeah. right? Somebody calls you, there's a job zones and then you do the thing. Who do I know that works there? How can I get my hands on the scripts that are in production? So again, huge preparer. Yeah. And, um, I couldn't get an interview. They sent in my resume and I couldn't like get an interview, like an actual, and then some eight random agents that I didn't know very well, um, connected me to who ended up being my colleague. Although she, she doesn't work at the company anymore, but she's still a really good friend. And she said, you guys should just have lunch. You'd like each other. You have, we were both young moms. My daughter at the time was, was 18 months and she had a baby and we just had lunch and just like, instant friendship just yeah. instant like recognizing another soul you know just trying to be a human in this business and a mom and figure it out um and she really advocated for me and then taught me how to do my job and you know became such a champion and a friend yeah that just like that whole thing about burning bridges right it really is like it's never gonna serve you even if somebody has like treated really you really badly if you can rise above because you just don't know you just don't it know all in comes this back. business yeah. It's all, every person, the first, the, the, my first, um, the woman who almost didn't interview me because I misspelled editing on my resume, um, produced a movie for us at Disney Channel. It was actually, was one of the first movies I ever got into production, How to Build a Better Boy, you know, 15 yeah. years later after I answered her phone when I was 22. So yeah. it always comes back. Good, bad, right? It's a super important lesson. And were you so thrilled when like the work that you were doing started going into musicals, musical so, world? And huge. I, I mean, I, I really do. It's funny if you had asked me when I was 19 or whatever, any age, like what I wanted to do, I would have never said kids TV movies. Like, no. I just, I didn't but know. Were you going to go into early childhood education or was that like a mother quote? I, yeah, that, no, I, at some point I remember, I, I mean, again, I used to, I always loved kids. I was a huge babysitter. I, you know, I, um, I, I always knew I wanted to have kids. I, I, I remember going to guidance counselors at some point and talking about early childhood education. I used to volunteer at kindergarten classes and at my mom's hospital. My mom worked, I used to volunteer at their childcare center. Um, so I, I definitely, I thought it was psychology. Um, but again, it, I had the very, very strong imperative to do something very academic. So mm. again, I sort of, th those were the only options that were presented to me and from my personal, you know, family life. Um, so again, I always loved kids, but in, but I never would have thought that this job, right, would be right. the combination. But in hindsight, total, oh my God, the musicals are amazing. I mean, there's just nothing like it. There's nothing like it. There's, there's, there's nothing really like, like it. 
I remember thinking, I remember having like people question what, like my family question why I go into theater. And then I saw like a musical in <sighs> London. I saw Buddy Holly, <clears throat> which isn't like the best musical, <clears throat> but it was enough to get people dancing. And I was like, that's enough. Like if people are just dancing on their feet, that's actually like a really good purpose in life. Um, I didn't go into music theater, but uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, you've, you've, but you have, or not well, musical theater, but yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I see a lot of theater. My husband sees everything. We see, that's sort of our date night out. Yeah. I'm so enamored with your, like I, everybody, every article I read, it's all about like the attention to detail that you <laughs> are. And so I'm like, of course, like that's the person you want in that role. You want somebody that's looking at the different hair colors. You're looking at somebody in the angle, like I know you on zombies, you're on set all the time and you're part of each phase. But like, how do you maintain that? Because that's a really hard thing to keep up with and something's gonna give. I mean, that's such a, another great question. And I, well, first of all, I really, you know, I, I, I think um, the, the president of my network once said to me that there's always there's always a finite amount of resources with time, money, and yourself, right? Work, effort, people. And 90% of the job is prioritizing, right? Mm -hmm. Understanding what is worth it. And I do that, you know, I think we don't, as a culture, value that as a skill, prioritizing. And, and we don't practice it. And certainly as a working mother, that's all I do. My brain constantly, right? So who's going to the doctor's appointment and there's this thing at school and at the same time as the meeting, but if I don't go to, if I miss it this time, but I've already seen it and do I, do I have to be in that meeting or do I have to send You're constant, like I literally, I feel like my brain is like, yeah. like a puzzle. Petrus. And, and, and what, where I think we don't, and what's super important to me to, to say, so I'm really thrilled you asked me that question, is that, that thing that you do in your brain is it is it is practice for my job because i've it, it's just the learning how to prioritize on like i've been in the situation where i had a producer on call me from puerto rico on set shooting when everything's fighting right the day the clock is ticking the money is spending saying hey look we're not going to make our day if we we have to drop the scene and you have to approve it now and you've seen all the dailies because i know you're a prepared executive and you know that that through line's not working and that we're not going to use it anyway. So can we cut it? And it had I and again, it, not to it wasn't hundred percent up to me. My job is then to present the big hierarchical organization. But my job is to say, here's the situation. Here's what I think we should do and why. And had I not practiced the prioritizing skill all the time of the, of what we don't consider a skill, I could have frozen in that moment, right? But it's because I'm so used to sort of thinking through and constantly prioritizing that when you meet when those moments come at work, you're ready. And I think certainly, I mean, not to disparage our lovely male counterparts, but as women, we're so, we, we do that, we negotiate everything. And it's been incredibly rewarding to get to apply that in my work. And, and you know, all those middle of the night thinking and, you know, the brain's going, that's important. I mean, it'd be nice to sleep. But um, so to your question, how do you do it? First of all, you, you don't do everything, right? Like you have to learn how, what's, what's a must have and what's a nice to have. And we talk about that all the time. Um, two, I work with an incredible team of people, both in terms of my team of executives, my partners, you know, Paul Hone, the director of Zombies, the producers, you know, I have a, lots of a network of people to help work through those problems. Um, 
and and I mean, and and also, and it's not always like that. We're not always in production, right? When you're in production, mm -hmm. the, the, that 35 days is when everything's on fire because it is. It's expensive. The hour you're doing with kid hours, you're fighting the clock. Yeah, you're sort of capturing what you need. Um, and I think what has helped more than anything is expertise. At this point, you know, that's one of the nice things of being able to, at this point in my career, to say I've made, I've overseen 11 movies, soup to nuts like really souped in that yeah. and and it and, and it and it again it's taken me some time to recognize that about myself that I can walk up to a filmmaker and say trust me yeah. you're not going to need it or you are going to need it right I've been here before and there's a value in in just the longevity right like I've 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 been through it before and I have faith in you and I know that you may not think you have it but you do or whatever it is. And it's been fun to get to see that because that confidence is not something that come by naturally. Oh, it just... I love that answer so much because I think you're, <laughs> but it's so true. And when those times where you're faced with really hard decisions, if you can look at it as a training, I think it's so much better than going, totally. this is knocking me. Like if you, if I got a phone call of somebody saying, can we cut this scene? I'd be like, Oh, oh God, Oh God. But then truthfully, hopefully I'd have the training to get me to that point at that moment. But yeah, so important. And look, and you have to you make the best decision that you can with, with the best decision in that moment with the information that you have, yeah. and then you adjust, right? Like, and as you make the wrong call, you cut around it and you figure it out. It's not awesome, right? Like nobody wants to be in that situation if you yeah. make the wrong call. Uh, hopefully you don't make the wrong call too often or else you likely won't be in that role. <laughs> that's, right, that's right. But well, if you're still in the role, too, right? like, yeah. Yeah. Like that's hard to recognize as well that we all make mistakes and hopefully not too many mistakes as yeah. you said. But, um, but I noticed also in that like juggling um, exercise that you were doing, where's the part of Lauren? Like, where do you fit into that? that <laughs> like, are you able? Cause I know like, gosh, you know, self-care is a words that are sure. I feel, but like, it's so vital. And I don't know about you, but I notice when I have not put myself in any priority list, not even, yeah. not even top three sure. for a while. And then I get real, something changes in me. Totally. So, so it's again, another wonderful question. So a couple thoughts, you know, something, and again, I, th I think as we've been taking so many walks and I'm sure because I was ruminating on this conversation. So just sort of thinking things through, I was also just having this conversation with my daughter. Um, so one, to, not to throw my um, family under the bus, one of the wonderful things that I am so um, grateful that I was taught by my family and really by my dad in many ways is, again, which is, can be a tremendous amount of pressure, but also can be very validating, is find something that you love to do and try to make a living at it, right? To really, you know, in, in, as an academic, you know, it wasn't a job, it wasn't a career, it was really a calling for him. Um, and so I think, I, th I think for me, you know, the, the self-care is a couple things. I, I do love what I do, sincerely. Um, and that helps, <laughs> certainly. Um, I I'm lucky enough, I think, that I at least have two modes. So even though juggling work and family is not easy, mm -hmm. at least it's not always one. Right. Like I think about for me, that is a lifesaver when I'm not 100 percent when my brain isn't in work mode. It, often it's in family mode. So at least it's not just one mode. And I've worked with people that can that don't have that separation. So that, that allows me a little bit of recharging. Um, I, I know it's a massive cliche, but it's very true for me. I have learned, especially as I 
age. Um, exercise for me is the, in terms of the mental health, the endorphins, I mean, especially the older I get, I just, it is a huge um, part of my own mental health. I'm yeah. just a big believer in the connect, whatever happens in your brain when you're doing whatever it is that you do. Um, and I, and my garden, I mean, just outside, I live in Southern California, I live in the Valley. So I, you know, we have big plots of sun, you know, growing some, you know, putting a seed in, or I don't, actually, I don't huge. do very well with seeds. It's huge. Yeah. Watching it grow. It's beautiful. You know, it really, yeah. I just, I genuinely, I, I, I find like physical beauty in the plants, um, sense of accomplishment when you get a tomato. <laughs> oh my really gosh. Happy. Yeah. And you eat something that you've grown. Like it is something that actually you can put effort into it and you'll get results. Yeah. Whereas like your, your world is like, you're going to put a lot of effort and it may not go yep. or that scene might get cut or. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So it's very, um, it is also, and this is another funny thing. My sister has helped me with this a lot. It also helps you learn how to fail. I mean, sometimes because in gardening and any cooking, like often you put all that and it just like, right? Like you work and work and work in that one tomato you watch and then the squirrel comes and eats it, right? The day that it, yeah. and, and, and that has happened to me so many times. Or, I love that. What you just said about learning how to fail. And I don't think that is something we talk about. Uh, it's, I, I am very mindful of it because that has been such a hard journey for me as, yeah. you know, as a, as I often say, like the worst thing you can tell a young woman is how much potential she has. <laughs> Cause like when, when is the time that potentials is supposed to deliver? Like what's the, yeah. you know, when you have to cash that all in, right? right? That, right. right. Some, some, at some point it's not about potential. It's about, and um, you know, and I, I, I'm a pretty competent person and I've, and I've learned. Well, I would I'm say very, because I, I don't think well, pretty. I think very. Give yourself. Thank you. Thank you. But it's also because I pick things that I'm, I do things that I know that I'm going to be good at. Right. Because I don't like to feel uncomfortable. I don't like that feeling of, and I've had to learn that again, especially as a parent, you know, the value of doing things that are hard for you. That yeah. Not, and it's hard. Like that's definitely something. I've oh God. Yeah. Like uh, this whole Corona virus thing has made me into like a risk taker. Like I've never been. Wow. Like, things, like even like learning technology, like that's outside of my comfort zone. <laughs> oh, God. oh my God. What's the last thing that you did that you were like, I may fail, but I'm still going to do it. Well, I don't do that a lot to be totally honest. Yeah. I don't like it. Like yeah. I know. And I, I say this a lot. I say like, if it was a Disney channel version of my life, I would in, you know, if it was three act structure with the beginning, middle and end, I would force myself to do something specific yeah. and fail and then learn the value. And then like, I'd go, cliff diving or like all sorts of stuff. Yeah. But I, I, but you know what? I'm in my forties. I don't have to do that. Right. <laughs> like I, you know, you don't I'm, have that need. Like some people go, I need to risk. Like I, because I do improv. So that for me is a level of oh. risk that I'll always have. But I think uh, there is a level of security of going, oh no, this is comfortable. Why do I need to take off this comfortable security coat? I mean, I think, I think it's both. To your point, like I'm definitely not afraid of, you know, I, I got on a plane at 20 something and moved to another country and said, hey, I'm going to figure this out, right? Yeah. I've taken a lot of leaps. I, so recently, for example, I had a speaking opportunity and that, and a Disney public speaking is something that they encourage the, you know, it's important the higher you go and I'm growing my own career. And so I specifically wanted to do, I, you know, I, I wrote a 25 minute presentation. I did a deck. I don't like, decks. Oh, I bet I, your I, speaker like, would be amazing. I bet you'd be just everything. I, Tell I, me how I, it went. It went, I mean, it wasn't that it was sort of at the end of the day and it wasn't like, I certainly over-prepared. I, I made a bigger deal out of it than it was, but I did that for me because I really wanted 
to know that it, that, that was something I could do, that I mm-hmm. could get up on stage in front of somewhere between 50 and 200. It was hard to tell people kind of, you know, people and talk. Cause I talk a lot clearly, but it's a lot of it's one-on-one. As I said, I'm not comfortable in front of the camera. I'm not a spot. I'm a spotlight in a small group. You know, I can mm-hmm. speak my mind in a meeting. I, you know, but on a larger scale to that fear of saying something stupid or saying the wrong thing and is, is real. So I wanted, I really wanted to have that experience. So I did a panel at AFM, you know, made sure I knew what I wanted to say, had some slides, that was the whole thing. Um, So I don't not do it, but I also am not unrealistic. Like I'm not going to be a skydiver tomorrow and I don't need to do that. No, thank you. No, No, thank thank you. you. That's a level of risk that I'm like, I want to risk like on stage where if I fall down, it's an imaginary fall down as opposed to I fall down and die. That doesn't interest me. But even that, like, I really have a tremendous amount of respect for that because like, I wouldn't go up on stage without being prepared. That's I think why improv scares the hell out of me. Right. But that's that muscle, right? Like you, I wouldn't go, Hey, Lauren, let's get on stage tomorrow. Right. We'd go like, let's do some classes. Let's get sure. comfortable so that when you're ready to do it, it's actually something that you've built a, a muscle for. Yeah. Fair. Yeah. No, that's a, that's a like great point. Failure, like failure, like prioritizing, but, but then there's also the, the discussion of like, you know, self-sabotage. There's that book called The Art of War that talks about like when you're just almost at the victory, you sabotage yourself. I feel like there's no room for sabotaging yourself with you. I, I'm not, it's true. I, I, again, that's not my style. It's not that I don't, I, I have many failures and many insecurities. Don't get braggy on me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but that, yeah. self I mean, sometimes I choke for sure, right? I'm human. And yeah. sometimes I, you know, you build, you build and you have that moment. And I'm like, mm, I, I could have, I really could have, you know, just, and that's why it's unusually it's when I don't prepare. Like if I walk in it, if I think I can wing it, even if it's something I've said a million times in that moment with that spotlight on with the people looking at you. Um, so that, those are definitely the moments that I, I don't do as well on, but I'm not, I'm too pragmatic. And I know that my, and I'm a ruminator, so I know that the, the pain of knowing that I, I did it to myself, that's my worst. Yes. It's like when I fail because of me, I, it, it's so painful. It's yeah. so awful um, that I, I obviously, I mean, not like I'm there, like I try to avoid it because it hurts. Like that yeah. gut, that guts so ha- me. Then how do you like look after yourself after <sighs> that? I don't know. I pr- probably I prepare more the next time, to be honest. Yeah. I, I really, and I, I'm really like. I was going to say know. pasta. But, oh, yeah. <laughs> ice cream. Are you ice cream? Ice cream. I, I, always ice cream. They would put ice cream on pasta because that might be a thing. I, I, I will. I'm going to Google as soon as I get off the phone. Um, yeah, I, I rip myself apart pretty, like I, I turn it over and over and over and over when I, the good part of that is when I find the thing, like what, what was I thinking? And then I find the thing, oh, okay, I get it. I was thinking it was going to go X and therefore when it went Y, now at least I can understand it. And next time I can see it, but it sometimes shit just happens. Yeah. Right. Like that's the, the good side is if you can actually track it back to something and then that sort of heals that like desperation of like why but there's not always why like I mean, so I, I do believe that we're, there aren't really any mistakes right like we're learning so much that anything that I've done up till this moment has taught me so they're not mistakes they're just learning opportunities which sure. sounds like a children's book but it's also painful it's yeah. also painful to have that 
that place. Was there, um, again, I don't like calling them mistakes, but did you have a favorite mistake that you've made that has taught you the lesson for today? It's so funny. I, I heard you ask that question to somebody and I thought, Ooh, I should have a good answer. to Because <laughs> <laughs> it's such a great question. I don't think I, I'm going to, I'm going to save myself and not torture myself. And I'm going to go with the Moliere one, yeah, even though I don't know, um, because it was so definitional. Um, I'm sure there's been more with greater consequences. I don't need honest. you to go back and do yeah. your, Thank <laughs> like, you, I'll just really shove all the shit. <laughs> but, How was your discussion with Naomi? Well, it was good until she made, <laughs> reminded me of all my stupid mistakes I've made. <laughs> um, do, what do you want to be known for? in your work? Ooh, that's a great question. I mean, I don't hate the attention to detail because it feels very true. I mean, I'm a writer's executive in my core. Like that, that's what I care about. That's who I am. Um, you know, my, my relationship with my writers is probably the, well, I was going to say it was, it, it was the most important thing to me until I became a boss. So I think that, that piece of, of really empowering, I mean, my favorite thing about what I do and what I think my strength is, is, is help is finding the thing that somebody's trying to say that they may not know that they're there yet and pulling it out of them. I mean, it's just, it, it's When's such last a, time that happened? Yesterday or Friday. I was, yeah. you know, like, I, I mean, it's really what I do, right? That, I mean, cause we like constantly. somebody goes, here's a bunch of ideas and you go zip, zip, zip. This is the nugget. He, Usually, or in the script, right? For me, that's a, like, you don't know that that's your theme, but that, look, when you had that person, they, that thing, that's what you were thinking. And they're like, oh, or they're like, oh, that's such a good idea. I'm like, that's your idea. Not oh, that I don't I take credit. That. I'm happy to take credit, but I, it's, you, you said it, you just didn't quite know it. Then you shape it and you find it and you, you help refine that. I mean, I, I, I love, I could do that all day. I really yeah. enjoy that. It's so, that, you know, to go back to my dad's teaching about, you know, if you're lucky enough to, to make a living at doing something you love. I mean, but I, I, you know, I've been learning, which is, I think, something else that's super interesting to talk about for women. I've been learning how to be a boss or a leader this past 18 months since I've been in charge of a department and hiring people and trying to figure out how to, you know, because Disney is a very results-oriented company, and I was put in this position because my because of the results. So, and it's a subjective, very subjective business because it's creative. So I'm trying to figure out how to multiply the results that I can achieve, but with other people who think differently and bring their own things. Like, I don't want to replicate me. I want to support other people, but to achieve the same results, which is really hard. Yeah. And I'm sort of just starting to experience the joy of getting to see other people that I've trained and supported succeed on their own merit. Mm. Um, what were the steps? New- like, what were things that you were like, like, first of all, you just get, got this education from the ether of how to do this. You just like went into your heart and go and thought, how do I need to lead? No. Um, I mean, I've had some incredible bosses and some less incredible bosses, right. definitely. So I think it's just been a study over a long time in terms of, and I, you know, I spend, as I said, a lot of time ruminating. So, you know, I, I do a lot of thinking what worked, what didn't work, what I liked, what I didn't like. That That's very available to me. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you and again, some I, good notes. I do, yeah. I do. Yeah. And, and I don't like to fail, you know, so, or, or I like to succeed, I'll say positively. So I think, and, and it's such a, not to, again, be cheesy, but like to be somebody's boss, like that's a, such a gift and a, big responsibility and 
Um, and something that I really value and have had, again, it's been like such a ride and a delight. So how did, you know, so I think I've just, some of it is instinct. Some of it is, again, having had a lot of examples of what not to do. And then some of it, a lot of it is having had incredible examples, especially recently of, of what to do and where I get so much out of my own, you know, the people who leave me and to try to um, impart that. And yeah. it's different depending on the person, right? People come in with what they contribute. And again, the Walt Disney Company is such a specific company, very hierarchical. You know, I read Bob Iger's book recently, and there was sort of a description of the kind of person that tends to do well at the company. And I was like, oh my God, I, that's, I never, like, oh, that's me. Like, I didn't know that. <laughs> like, I would never have. Um, so, you know, a lot of it is just about navigating the, and again, and at, at almost 10 years at the company, I'm not like people work there for a very, very long time. Yeah. That's a big hallmark of the company. But you're and learning so, too, right? Like to recognize totally. the learning curve as a boss, as that being your title. And even what you just said of like recognizing you don't want carbon copies of yourself. Like that's, I feel no. a huge recognition as opposed to somebody who comes in just wants clones. I mean, it's a creative business, right? Yeah. And, and it has been, I mean, again, not like it has been a total joy to learn from other people and to really, you know, to see a creative problem and to, and I have to work on it. Like, cause I'm, I'm a, as I've learned about, I'm an air filler. Like I don't, you know, I like to jump in, not because I don't have faith in other people, but because I want it done and because it's uncomfortable, right? Yep. And I've really had to learn, like, there, you know, something presents itself and my brain immediately goes to the, like, oh, no, 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 here, that's, that's how you get there. That's how you solve it. And to, like, not say that and to wait and let other people get there and have that, like, holy shit, like, oh, my God, yeah. I would have not gotten there, but that's amazing or that's better or that's different, but still completely valid. Um, it is it, a total delight and new for me, right? It's really been such an incredible experience. I have to say, when I found out you'd been at Disney for 10 years, I was <laughs> shocked. I was shocked because <laughs> the joy that you have in your job. <laughs> Maybe that's Disney because they keep things like playful, but there's like just seeing you, how you approached even working with you through zombies, it's just been joyful and playful and curious. Like I don't mm. see that you're like, Ah, another one done. <laughs> I mean, look, there are days. <laughs> like there are Early definitely season. days. Yeah. But the I mean the making is and, and our interaction has also come at the fun part, right? Like the True. making is I don't the good see part. the boardroom meetings. And 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 it, it, it has been a total discovery for myself how much I enjoy the corporate part. Again, I would have never known that about myself, but I actually really love the largeness of the organization. And obviously like the, the corporate stuff could certainly be a drag, but sometimes it's really amazing and inspiring yeah. and delightful um you know zombies in particular it, it's sort of a labor of love it, it's a hard franchise for many many reasons but it's sort of my it's the first franchise that i have a lot of creative ownership over and i really love that property so much yeah. i mean i do love all my children equally um <laughs> but i do i do but, but I, and i yeah yeah but no, it's no. been really a special experience I think that um, I think that everything comes with its challenges, but I think that if you see things from the beginning and what you said about collaborating as creators, like I don't think anybody's in the industry if they don't want to be creative on some level. And totally. People not to be given that opportunity, I think is really detrimental to, I don't know, like the team, the ensemble or whatever team you're building. Because I love seeing that. I love seeing, like, I mean, when I was on, I've been on set on TV shows before and like 
like a costume person or like makeup will come over to me and go, Hey, I got a joke for you in this. And I'm like, bring it. I, I love that. I don't think that's, that's overstepping anything or they'll go, or like, I really like that take, or I just think that's the way we should be working because everybody's got their opinion. And if you, if you, I don't know, handcuff it, that's a problem, I think. Totally. And, and I, you know, I've had some incredibly challenging productions, many for very different reasons, right? It's hard. It's hard. Sure. You're spending that much money. The days are short, kid hours, you know, it's just hard. And, and when I first, I, I remember the first couple moments where faced with like a really challenging problem, getting kind of the brain trust together and everybody using their incredible expertise. And, and I mean like the props guy and the, the production designer, you can just design it this way and the costume and, and really solving a yeah. very complex challenge by bringing everybody at their best. And that really, you know, those moments were for sure the moments where I realized, oh, that's the kind of leader I want to be. And that, and it helps me do my job better. Again, this is not out of the goodness of my heart. This is really about, <laughs> and I, when those things align, right? Like, oh, that's what helps, right? If you, if my job as a network executive is to create an environment where everybody knows what movie they're making, which is not obvious, right? Like where you really deeply have that clear direction and you empower everybody to bring their best work that's when you don't have that much to do. Like yeah. I get to step away and just sometimes shape and say like, you guys talk to each other and you fix it. Yeah. And that's amazing when that happens. It's really a, a total joy. Yeah. It's this navigation. I love that. Um, I'm going to wrap this up with a couple of rapid fire questions. And when I Great. say rapid fire, take your time. There's no hurry. Okay. Um, <laughs> two words to describe yourself presently. At home. <laughs> Is that two? Nope. That's fine. You can, you can use that home. I'll, I'll allow it. Okay. Uh, <laughs> if this was, if your life was a movie, what would have been the climax of the movie so far? Having my children. That's the You're two right. climaxes. Yes. But right. for me, that's both of them. Um, what's the book that you know that you need to write in your lifetime? Uh, Raising Eliza. That's my daughter. That has been a tremendous challenge in education. Oh, I love that. I also love that name so much. It's one of my favorites. Uh, what's something that people don't know about you? That's such a good question. I mean, I think about myself that I'm pretty open, but that's probably not true. Probably how deliberate and intentional I can be. I, mm -hmm. I think I try to present as less that, but it's probably not true. <laughs> I love it. I love it. If there's, a, if there's a problem in front of you, what's the first step for you in getting oh. through that problem? Breaking it apart really analyzing the pros and cons and how, Love how do I fix it, which yes. I've learned is not everybody's style, which is boggling to me. What do, what do other people, that just seems not natural. I, I if I, but my sister who I'm very close with was going through something very challenging recently and my brain went into problems. Okay. How can I break it apart? Can I, I can fix this. I can do this. What can I do from here? And, you know, and she, she said, I don't want to fix it. I just want to be mad. Yeah. And it was very clear and she knew, and I, I, I couldn't, pro like, I just couldn't understand. I love what that, that just meant. as much though, but that might've been the first step. Like, let me just be mad. That's the first step. And then I'll you know what? I think it was her, you know what? It just was such one of those moments of yeah. like, we are not all the same. Yeah. I love it. My final question is what advice would you have given to your younger self? Uh, show up and be prepared always. I mean, that has been, I think the, the cornerstone and 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 sweat the salt the small stuff a little less yeah just i mean you know have a little bit it, it'll it'll work out yeah 
Oh, I love speaking to you so much. I could talk to you for another hour. It's so delightful. And <laughs> you have you, said Mary. things that have changed my day today. It's really, yeah. really great insight. Thank you. Well, thank you for inviting me and thank you for listening. And uh, thank you for giving me this opportunity to stop and think. I really appreciate it. Oh my gosh. I have a feeling that you don't need opportunities to stop and think. <laughs> I feel like those roses are like, quiet down. I'm trying to grow here. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Lauren. You're Thank delightful. you. Take care. And there you go. Oh, I'm so glad that people like her have time for this show because it's such a treat to be able to share her voice with you all in the firecracker department community just such a great catch-up and she also makes me think like you know in this time of covid it's it's wild like how we need connections so maybe this chat with lauren will inspire you to reach out and make a connection because everybody's looking for it you know and especially creatively if you have a little nugget of an idea reach out to one person with that nugget and then maybe you'll have a writing team or like you'll produce something together so Take this opportunity and reach out and connect with somebody. Make sure you follow Lauren at Lauren Kisilevsky, K-I-S-I-L-E-V-S-K-Y, and send her some firecracker love. Tell her what you thought about my chat with her, because I know I adored it, and I'm sure you did too. This summer, you can see The Secret Society of Second Born Royals on Disney+, and Upside Down Magic on Disney Channel. Here's a little inside scoop for you if you listened all the way out to my outro you are rewarded because one of the things we recently started was the sparkler department and that is celebrating little firecrackers or sparklers we're calling them and we are doing a show called naomi gets schooled where little sparklers teach me how to do things because they've all been homeschooled up to their earlobes and they need to stop being the student and start being the teacher every once in a while well lauren's daughter eliza came on and taught me how to fence and she was so good at it too she had the whole like it's not a costume, Naomi. It's a, a uniform. It's a outfit. It's she looked fantastic. I had a broomstick because that's what my fencing apparatus was gonna be that day. And if you have a sparkler in your life, send them my way. Write to firecrackerdepartment at gmail.com and tell me what your sparkler wants to teach me. I'd love to have them on my show. Go on over to our Sparkler Department YouTube channel and follow along. See what we're creating for sparklers with sparklers. I can't wait. Like I always say, there's space for everyone within the firecracker department. And if you're not already part of our Facebook members group, why not? There's tons of stuff going on over there. That's our central hub for connecting with the firecracker community and where all our event reminders, conversations and connections happen. Are you an actor or a writer? Because we have the script department and writing department as well. Weekly, the writing department posts a prompt on Mondays so that you can do that anytime. Plus we do a little writing gym with bursts, so you don't even have to prepare anything. We do that on Zoom every Thursday. Come and join us over there. Every Sunday, we host a community brunch on Zoom so that new and current firecrackers looking to meet other creative people like you can hang out and connect, and it's always really fun. We drink coffee, we often wear our pajamas and have bathrobes, and that's the way it rolls. We always wanna know what you're doing and how we can help you move forward creatively. Monthly, we host a script department reading series, a wellness department meditation, live spark chats on Instagram with past podcast guests, and even a movie club. Yeah, there's a lot going on, and there's a department and a seat for everyone at the firecracker table. Come find yours, share your voice with the world, and connect with your people. Stay in the loop with everything I just threw at you by subscribing to our newsletter at firecrackerdepartment.com. Big, huge 
ginormous thanks to my whole team. I'm throwing my arms up. Ginormous! Everyone who's in Los Angeles, Toronto, Vancouver, New York, and all the way over in the UK. Thanks to all our core members for everything that they do online and off to make this community, this firecracker department growing into what it is becoming, which is so important to me. And from what I'm hearing from the feedback, it's important to you too, so thank you. Big thanks to Jeff Militinovic and Igor Karila for our theme music. We love it. And thanks to you, yeah, you, the one listening right now, for taking the time to listen, because we know there's a lot of options out there, and we so appreciate you taking the time to listen to us. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening. I'm Naomi, and we'll see you next time on the Firecracker Department. Firecracker Department.